Well, it's time for us to head to our second stopping off point on our road trip, and that's Berea in Greece. Before we do that, I need to make sure that this machine is clearly identified as a Christian vehicle. So I've got my, my fish badge, and I'm going to just put it on the front here, or, or maybe on the front of my crash helmet. That would, be, that would be really cool, I think. Another way that Christians are often identified is by the fact that they can carry Bibles with them. It's a great idea to do that when you come to church gatherings. The Bereans were a people, the Jews in Berea heard the message of Jesus, but the Bible tells us, as we'll discover, that they searched the Scriptures daily to make sure that what Paul said was true. The Bible really matters. I've heard it said that the bigger the Bible, the bigger the sinner. Um, I'm not sure what it says about me there. This is uh, my pocket Bible. But sometimes I've seen Christians just throw open the Bible and put their finger on a verse to see what it says. I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, This one is Proverbs 21 and verse 5. He who goes in haste will come to ruin. Boy, I better be careful about just how fast I go on this speed machine. quite a bit of fun when we were filming that. That's good. Well, good morning, everybody. It's really good to see you, and uh, what a beautiful weekend we're enjoying as we're continuing this summer road trip together. I need to give you a destination check, because this series is going to last for four weekends, and as you'll see in your bulletin, uh, the last weekend of it is the 4th and 5th of September. And uh, that's a weekend where we are going to make special time in the service to pray for the sick and to pray for other needs. We're going to be carving out time uh, to anoint people with oil, nothing weird, but just following the biblical encouragement. We can do that every week. Our prayer team are always here to pray. But also that weekend there'll be a, a very clear and very concise presentation of the Christian message too. So what I'm saying is, Again, it's always great to invite guests and friends to come, but if you want a particular weekend, and if you know someone who would appreciate prayer, then mark that down on your calendar. I think it's Labor Day, isn't it? And uh, I wish I knew what that was, but it's Labor Day, and um, um, that's going to happen. All right, Acts 17, we're going to go to Berea today, and uh, let's have a look at Acts 17 and verse 10. As soon as it was night... The brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, They went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. 
The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Uh, I've shared with you in the past about some interesting critters that have showed up at our house. You know that I've uh, wrestled 15 foot long rattlesnakes to the ground. Actually, you don't really wrestle the snake to the ground, do you? It's on the ground. But anyway... Uh, we had an interesting, uh, an interesting visitor show up in our neighbourhood uh, this week. Uh, we managed to get a photograph just across the way. Can you see him? That uh, bear there, he uh, weighed about 500 pounds, although I didn't check that. And uh, uh, he was heard giving thanks for English food, which was a bit troubling as well. Uh, news in our neighbourhood got out that the bear was around and so because I have such an extensive reputation for being able to deal with wildlife, thanks for your support, I really appreciate it. But can you notice just how much, let's have a look at that photograph one more time, can you, can you see uh, how much that bear blends in? You could hardly see him at first glance and knowing my ridiculous life it's highly possible that I walked under that tree and didn't even notice that he was there. He blends in really rather well. Today, we are going to a city in Berea, a city called Berea in Greece, where the temptation was to just blend in. To just blend in, merge with the crowd, and not create any problems. The modern city of Berea, there are somewhere between fifteen to 20,000 people that uh, live in that city these days. But 2,000 years ago in this city, the Apostle Paul had to make some radically tough decisions. And what's happened is this. They've been in the city of Thessalonica, Thessaloniki, some people call it. Uh, the message has been received well there, but there's been some confrontation, some agitation. There's been a riot. There's a death threat on Paul's life. And so he has to get out of Dodge pretty quickly. The nightfall comes. They smuggle they smuggle him out. He is a fugitive. And um, he heads out from Berea, uh, excuse me, from Thessalonica towards Berea. We know, we know the exact route that he would have had to have taken, the Ignatian Way. Uh, it's highly possible that this signpost on the Ignatian Way, that he might have passed by that. Uh, he trod this pathway for about 20 miles and, uh, and then headed to Berea. Berea was well known as a hideout city in, in history. Uh, it was off the beaten track and it was a great place to uh, lay low. But what happened as Paul trod that pathway and then went to Berea is that he and his team lived surprisingly. You know, if there's one prayer that I, I'd like to pray for myself and I'd like to pray for us, and that is that we would learn to live surprisingly. An exclamation mark that grabs a bit of attention in the world for Jesus. Do you ever hear people say, yeah, it's just typical of him? You ever heard that statement? Maybe you say that to your spouse. It's typical. You've, you, you've left the cap off the toothpaste for the last 430 years. It's typical. And sometimes I hear people say, yes, typical Christian. Typical. It's just what we expect from you Christians. I would like to be an untypical Christian. A grab-you-by-the-throat kind of Christian. Maybe not that. A surprising Christian whereby people go, oh, that's interesting. What is it that, that 
How does that life work? What's all that about? Paul and his team live uh, surprisingly. So let's, let's follow this along and, and take a look if you're following along in the bulletin. The, f- the first thing is I want you to see that uh, Paul and his team, they are living bravely. They're living bravely. Paul and Silas and Timothy for that matter too. They're living bravely. They are embracing risk over safety. They're living bravely. Look at verse 10. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On, a, on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, now, get this, everybody. This guy is on the run, the fugitive, Harrison Ford with a Bible. He is in danger. Now, you know what it would have, how this would have read if this was me? It would, it would read something like this. And Jeffrey did get out of Thessaloniki, and he did go to Berea, and he went to a fancy dress store and got a fake beard and a moustache so that no one would know who he is. That's, that's what it would say for me. Or it would say, and Jeffrey did go to Berea and he did quietly start an Amway group <laughs> so he could just start networking quietly. Or Jeffrey went fishing for six months and caught nothing. That's what it would say. If it said, if it was my story, what does it say that Paul did? He gets out of danger town and he goes right to the most public place in Berea, the synagogue, and he starts talking about Jesus. What is he thinking? I'd like to show you a photograph of the synagogue, but none are available because it doesn't exist anymore. If you go to Berea today, uh, they simply have a spot in the city where they commemorate. They believe this is where the synagogue was and they commemorate Paul's preaching there. All of this challenges me greatly. Am I willing to be brave enough to be distinctive? I'm not talking obnoxious. Do I just, do I just go with the flow? Whatever. Or, or, or is there something about my life that is distinctive? Or do I just blend in, camouflaged in? About uh, when I was 16 and Henry VIII was on the throne, I, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I joined the army cadets and uh, I, it's like kids with guns and um, I, they noticed my skill set pretty quickly. So they promoted me as sergeant because I like to shout a lot and tell people what to do. My how things have changed. I was Sergeant Lucas and we had this three-day military thing where we were out, you know, living in trenches and not showering and shooting each other and generally having a lot of fun. And we were using blank ammunition, of course, but even blank ammunition can be very dangerous if you get too close to it. So Sergeant Lucas is crawling up the hill and one of my own troops decided that it was time to fire his gun. And he shot me in the rear end. (laughs) Thanks for your compassionate response there. Timberline, the caring church. (laughs) And I can't remember what I said exactly. I think I turned around and said, I say. (laughs) He just shot me in the rear end. Naughty person. Actually, I I kind of remember what I said, and I don't want to share it right now. (laughs) And he said to me, he said, I'm so sorry, Sergeant Lucas. He said, I didn't see your rear end. It was camouflaged so well. (laughs) Yeah. 
But people say that in terms of our lives. I'm sorry, I don't see anything different. You're just camouflaged in. Romans 12, 1 and 2, offer yourselves living sacrifices. Don't be conformed to this world. The word there is camouflage. Is there a situation right now where we need to, to stand up and be counted? Where bravery is involved? And then what about fear? Because this was a terrifying situation, potentially. Paul is taking his life into his hands. Are we, are we refusing today to be conquered by fear? Ambrose Redman says, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. Mark Twain, Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. Listen to this, Twain says, Except a creature be a part coward, it is not a compliment to say that it is brave. You ever bumped into the coward that is you? Some of, some of you guys are sitting there going, are you calling me a coward? Do you know what? I discovered last year that I can be a pretty good coward. In fact, I might start classes for cowards. Uh, some of you know uh, that last year I got sick pretty badly. I was in London, went out for a meal in London, and swine flu was not actually included, but um, I got it. And I decided to stop eating for the rest of my life, halfway through the meal. I got on an airplane because I didn't know I had swine flu, and uh, flew back to the west coast of America. I was supposed to be speaking there. I got really sick. I got pneumonia. I got double pneumonia. And my doctor had that worried look. You know that worried look where you want to say, smile, it's going to be okay. And I was not responding to the drugs and my lungs were getting worse. And he decided he wanted me to have a CAT scan. Now, you know what, folks? Um, I, I, I always thought I'd be really brave facing up to this kind of stuff. And I wish I could. I, I, I hate doing this. I just don't like this because I would like to stand up here and say, and the doctor said, have a CAT scan. And I said, no problemo. For me to live is Christ. Today is gain. I'm ready to go. He gives and takes away. Blessed be. I wasn't like that at all. I'm thinking, listen, Lord, give, but don't take away. <laughs> Especially moi. I went in, I have, I mean, I wanted to be the brave, you know, the worshipper through everything. Mr. Lucas, step away from the scanner. You can't take your tambourine in there. <laughs> I was pathetic. Pathetic. I came out of the cat scans crying like a baby. Scratch that. Babies don't cry that loud. It's pathetic. I discovered during all that stuff that courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the ability to be able to look at fear and say, I'm not going to be dominated by it. And Jesus never says, just don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Don't be afraid, I am with you. You know, life is tough. Did you know that none of us, if Jesus doesn't come back, none of us are going to get out of this life alive. But we're not alone. And Paul lives bravely in this situation. Not because he's a superhero, but because he has this understanding that God is with him, whatever. 
Perhaps we need to allow that truth to settle in. I, I need to tell you that at the end of this service, we're going we're to do some praying about fear. And I know that some of you are struggling to focus right now on this message. And the main reason is because you're worried about that test result. Or you're concerned about that job. Or you've had that letter from your credit card provider. And you're afraid. Second thing I want us to talk about is living biblically. Living biblically. The Bereans, they examined truth. They were examining truth with open minds. If you're filling the bulletin in, living biblically, the Bereans examining truth with open minds. Verse 11. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Two things about this, quickly. Number one, kind of weird statement, isn't it? They were more noble. More noble. It's a word that is normally used to describe someone who came from the right kind of family, if I can use that strange language in that context. Why were they more noble? And what does that mean? And Paul makes it clear they were more noble, or rather Luke does, they were more noble than the Thessalonians. Now, the Thessalonians had received the message well. Things among those who were receptive had gone well there. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So, things had gone well in terms of receptivity among believers in Thessaloniki. But now Paul is is discovering that things are going a lot better, even better in Berea, and that's because these were people who loved Scripture. And there's a mosaic that's been found uh, with the Apostle Paul holding a book Uh, that looks pretty much like a a, a Bible, just stating in the mosaic the importance of uh, Scripture. It is really important, Timberline Church family, that we be a Bible people. Don't believe it just because I or anybody else says it. Be people of the Bible. But it's interesting that the Bereans... Sometimes I meet Christians, have you ever met them? They're they're kind of suspicious of everybody. It's like they're heresy hunters just waiting for the burning. Yeah, I'm not sure about you. And what they like to do is set about to prove someone wrong. There are anti-heresy websites everywhere on the internet. And it seems that their stance is, we're right and we're going to now prove that anyone who disagrees with us is wrong. That is not the Berean attitude. Because the Berean attitude was not they listened to Paul so that they could prove him to be wrong. They listened to Paul so that they could prove that he was right. They didn't begin with suspicion. They began with a non-prejudicial, open heart with Scripture in hand. And boy, they examined the Scriptures. The word that is used here is the same word that is used in the book of Acts to describe a judicial examination. What that means, everybody, is that we need to be people who wrestle with this book. Is anyone here, a bit of honesty time, anyone here ever started a through the Bible in a year course and then got stuck in February in Leviticus? <laughs> anyone, 
Anyone ever done that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Has anyone here ever got 48 chapters behind in your Bible reading course? And you think, I better get caught up. Have you done this? So, you, you know, you turn to the passage and you go, okay, here we go, 48 chapters on your marks. That's it. Jolly good. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry, honey. See, that's what happens when you do that to the Bible. It's kind of sad when the preacher thinks he's cute, isn't it? (laughs) And we close our Bibles and we say, I'm a 48 chapter a day man. Oh yeah. But God's looking for us to be a people who will allow the Bible to agitate us, provoke us, irritate us, challenge us, transform us, who wrestle with Scripture. Live biblically. The Bereans examine truth with open minds. The last thing I want to talk about is living faithfully. Uh, Timothy and Silas. Grace to stay as well as go. Uh, shall I, how many would like to know a secret about the last service? Would you like to know a secret? about? The last? How many of you don't give a rip? Uh, last, last service I said, living faithfully. Timothy and Tylus. It's irrelevant. Grace to stay as well as go. And then look at verse 13. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. Stirring them up. The word there is earthquake. The word is used twice in the book of Acts to describe a literal earthquake. This was Quite a storm that was going on. Look at the response. Verse 14. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Now, just stop and look at this. Paul is getting out of Dodge again. And he's going 300 miles to Athens, but he's sitting out. The bad guys have shown up, and there's an earthquake of agitation in the town. So what does Paul say to Timothy and Silas? He says, "Um, if you don't mind most awfully... Would you like to just stick around? Now, if I'd have been Timothy, I'd have said, excuse me. I've never been to Athens and I've heard it's pretty neat there. In fact, I got a postcard from a cousin and I know a great Best Western and I can get us a triple A discount. So could I come along with you? And Paul says, no, I want you to stay. And, And Timothy might say, you know what? I've got a gift of timidity. Because we know that because Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a power, a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So Timothy's not naturally the superhero. But Timothy and Silas needed grace to stay and Paul had the grace to go and start something new. Now, what's that got to do with us? We don't know how long Timothy and Silas stayed. 
All we know is that they later rejoined Paul, never in Athens, but in Corinth. You read about it later in the book of Acts. Sometimes, my brothers and sisters, we need grace to just stay. Bravery is, is just staying. Mother Teresa, who did such tremendous work for so many years among the poor and the dying in Calcutta, there was a media storm when she shared that she had struggled in her faith for many years. In fact, she wrote to a friend, she said, in terms of her relationship with God, the silence and emptiness is so great that I look and do not see, I listen and do not hear. She struggled, but she stayed. I was uh, reading a statement this week from the Irish novelist uh, Colin McCann. And he he said something that's got under my skin. And he said this, he said, it takes courage to live the ordinary life. It takes courage to live the ordinary life. See, the danger with a gathering like this is that we can always talk about adventure and breakthrough and new territory. But sometimes it takes courage to just stay and do the ordinary Because you see, our lives are not endlessly epic. Jesus has saved me, but the dishwasher still broke down. I still have to take the trash out. And we can experience dull lives. And we can find ourselves in moments when our marriages are boring. And suddenly we are tempted by the epic. By the scintillating. And we become fools. Because we don't realise that the hot affair will wax cold and ultimately become ordinary. But we live our lives hunting for the epic, for the big. Whereas actually, God might be simply saying, Will you stay? Will you stay? In preparing for this weekend, I've been asking the Lord to save some marriages. To save some marriages that might be right on the brink because of the allure right now of the exhilarating. And Timothy and Silas stayed in a few moments from now we're going to do something a little different we often ask people to raise their hands in response at Timberline at the weekends but in a moment if you're able and you want to respond to this message I'm going to ask you in a moment not now to stand to your feet for two reasons. Some of us, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet because you are quietly saying, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. And others of you are going to stand to your feet because right now, you're waking up in the night maybe afraid. Perhaps that's not your experience, but there's fear. There's fear. And fear is connected with torment in the Bible. It's torturous. 
psychologist friend last night, part of Timberline, he says, there is no emotion in the human condition that is so fragmenting as fear. And you're afraid right now. I don't have a slick slogan. I don't have a self-help little statement to make you feel better. But you're going to stand in a moment because you're saying, I want to face this fear. And I want to affirm my faith in the midst of this valley of fear. And ask you, Lord Jesus, to take me through. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today. Because you don't just tell us to not be afraid or to be brave. But you tell us that you're with us. I pray now, Lord, that something will happen in the next two minutes that will change us. That will cause fear to cower. That will enable us to trust you in this season. That will enable us to stay. Work by your Spirit among us as we linger in these moments. Let's open our eyes. And if you want to make a response to this message because you're saying, I'm not going to be afraid, or I am afraid and I want God's help, I want you to begin to stand right now, just quietly. Don't wait for somebody else. This is your deal. It might be that you're standing because you're saying, I I want to stay. I want grace to stay. I want God to help me as I perhaps embrace the ordinary and live well in it. And as we are standing, we're making a declaration, not only about our intention, but also about the faithfulness. Just as we remain standing, I want us to just look at the road that the Apostle Paul took. Let's look at that road again, that road to Berea. It's now... uh, a road with the ruins of of past, of the past there, but that's the road he trod. That's the pathway that he took. And you see, what we read in Scripture is right up to date to where we are. So, Lord, as we walk a road that passes through Berea, We pray for grace, for strength, for faith, and for endurance. We pray too, Lord, that our foundations will not be even a moment on a Sunday morning, but will be built in you, Jesus, the Word of God, and in Scripture, which is in another sense the Word of God. So for our friends who stand... We thank you that you stand with them. May they know that strength that comes from that awareness this very day. We agree together in the name that is strong. The name of Jesus. Amen. You may sit down. Thank you very much.
at the end of our service in three or four minutes from now our prayer team will be here but we're going to receive our offering now we're going to give in our tithes and offerings thank you for your faithfulness in your giving and uh, if you're a guest you don't have to give just pop the communication card in we're going to continue to affirm our faith uh, wait till the plate has passed you by and then if you're able and you'd like to stand as we sing let's declare this truth together as we give and as we sing. Listen to these words before we go into a new week. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword who wrote these words Paul the guy who stood up in the synagogue in Berea wrote these words he says that is written for your sake we face death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. I think he covered the bases. None of this will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord he never lets go and so now Lord with eyes wide open we go into our week asking you to walk in it with us may we live lives that are an exclamation mark that provoke questions give us your grace your presence we pray in Jesus name everyone said amen hey two things prayer team are going to be here to pray uh, with you the other thing I heard is that the bear also has been seen around the golf course which is a great reason to take out fishing so have a great week and God bless you guys